hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is... Stupid answer. No. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zack. Not that there's anything wrong with him. Because he has a lot of chit spot. <laughs> oh, right. Hello and welcome to episode 404 of the Stupid Cancer Show. We are the voice of young adult cancer. Coming to you from downtown Manhattan... I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a proud 20-year young adult brain cancer survivor. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer. Find us online at stupidcancer.org. This is Sean Shapiro sitting in for Mallory Rivera. I'd like to welcome all of our first-time and returning listeners. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. Sucks, huh? We change the world one chemo infusion at a time. On this episode, cancer and human resources. Yes, navigating your HR department can be tricky even when you don't have cancer. Young adult survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma, Jennifer Benz, joins us uh, to talk about communicating with human resources, understanding your benefits and rights, and making HR work for you if you are employed with stupid cancer all right hello sean hey it is uh giving tuesday eve it is what is giving tuesday it is nigh <laughs> giving tuesday is nigh well uh similar to black friday and cyber monday we and now small business saturday right? oh that's, yeah, that's right thing too. that is correct we're gonna have something on sunday and wednesday and, and thursday pretty soon You're gonna make them up yeah um, but we have a global day that's celebrated to giving to your favorite charity, which is Giving Tuesday this year, Tuesday, November 29th. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. For those listening to the show tonight or tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> so And not the archives. Yeah. So it's a day that we hope, if you're listening, that you'd be willing to either donate or fundraise and get your friends and family involved and support the cause. And... Uh, Make our life-changing programs possible. Well, it is the entire season. Like Giving Tuesday technically kicks, kicks off all of year on giving. Yes, but it's a it's a big day. We hope that you know it's a, it's the day to give, and we set a goal because why not? Why not? And well, goals uh, are good. Yeah, so we're hoping to raise twenty thousand. Last year we raised about eight thousand, I believe. So okay, so it's an it, aggressive goal. Yeah, people like to celebrate. So uh, why not do it on Giving Tuesday? That is true. Yeah. 
So the website is stupidcancer.org slash Tuesday. Correct. Or technically you can create your own fundraiser, but if you want to raise money in 24 hours, that would be super cool. Yeah. Or you can, it's not going to shut down. So set it up even if you hear us late. Right. There was something in the news, um, which was, was, I think disturbing doesn't even do it justice. And I put it on my page, the facebook.com slash Matthew Zachary, and I put it on Twitter. Uh, under the hashtag, what the actual fuck, there was a young woman in Ohio, Indiana, because Indiana, who, whose child was uh, sick with cancer in treatment, and she was caught. This is not fake news. This is real news, people. Uh, putting feces into her young son's medications and IV, like Munchausen syndrome. Huh? By proxy, and she was caught, and I believe she is the child was taken uh, from her custody, and I can't wait to see what happens. But man, the pitchforks came out with that one. Yeah, that's almost worse than being a cancer faker. Boo, bad stuff. Crazy, just unacceptable. Anyway, I just found out that I'm going to be doing something at the Washington Post on December eighth, uh, which is called I forget. I should know what it's called because I'm, I'm recording this podcast right now. Chasing Cancer, I think that's what it's called. And it has to do with not discussing the 11,000 different moonshots that are out there and the word cure. WashPo really wants to bring together leading journalists and uh, folks on the Hill and advocates and ambassadors to talk about what it really means to have cancer in the American culture. And I think you just Google Chasing Cancer in Washington Post, and it's a free, public, open event. Very exciting. Super cool. Well, anyway, we have a short show for you guys uh, this time around. We're going to be talking about HR and uh, all the things that HR can do, can't do, should do, doesn't do in many cases with uh, someone who's a friend of the show, been on the show, I think, twice, once as an official guest in 2006 or seven long time ago and most recently is a drop-in guest jennifer benz had cancer uh, as a young adult and she'll be joining us momentarily all right our main segment here jennifer benz returning champion to the stupid cancer show uh founder and ceo at benz communications a boutique agency that specializes in employee benefits communications she spent her entire career working to get people better engaged in their health and finances. She's also returning champion, as I mentioned, and a young adult survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Please welcome back to the Stupid Cancer Show, Jennifer Benz. Jennifer. Thank you. I'm excited to be here again. You know, I went through the, uh, the archives, and you were on the show six years ago. We did a show called The Cancerpreneurs. And, yep. and uh, yeah, it was six, six years ago in 2010. So we've known each other quite a while. Indeed. Uh, and time flies. It certainly does. And, and I'm congrat- back then you were just, I think it was, your title was chief strategist, according to the, the bio you gave me in 2010. <laughs> yeah, I think my team was just eight or nine folks. So we were pretty scrappy back then. And um, company's still around. We have 28 employees now. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary, so it's a lot of fun. No, congratulations. It's, we, Thank we, you. We like good stories. There's, there's too many, uh, well, I say tragedies and miracles every day, but you got a great story. Oh, thank you. So uh, you were on the show as a drop-in a couple of months ago back in the summer, but I'd love you to just recap 
your story for our listeners because it really does frame how you look at your landscape through this incredible lens of almost the civil liberty or entitlement and what you want to bring to your industry to understand almost almost a sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I was diagnosed and treated for Hodgkin's when I was 19 in the middle of college and, uh, you know, share that experience that many of the listeners have gone through as a young adult, kind of trying to figure out what that all means and so forth. And uh, got, got through that, finished up school and wound up getting a great job with an HR consulting firm. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but the people there were awesome and dove right into employee benefits and helping figure out how to get people to understand all of the healthcare and financial benefits that their employers offer. And it's what I've done my whole career now, the last 17 years or so. And I, I think it took me a few years into it to realize, oh, this is really, really relevant to that experience <laughs> I had yeah. when I was going through treatments. Well, again, it goes back to, you know, what is HR? Because it spans so many different components depending on the company you're in. And most people, if this is still true, it's, 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 I guess it is what it is. But do most people really take advantage of the fact that companies have HR departments? No, not at all. I mean, that, that's one of the big things we, we focus on is the majority of people, and especially if you work at a large employer, but more and more even if you work at a smaller mid-sized company, you have amazing benefits and the majority of people just let them sit there and don't ever take advantage of them and don't understand the value that they provide. And of course, health insurance is often one of those things that you just don't understand how valuable it is until you need it, like until you're diagnosed with cancer or something, you know, catastrophic happens. But, you know, even in just the more day to day, there are usually lots of programs that are going to help you in some aspect of your life if you know that they're there and and take advantage of them. So statistically, 72,000 Gen X and millennials are diagnosed with cancer every year. Half of them are over 23, 24, half of them are under. Mm -hmm. And I would only imagine the majority are employed. So especially with unemployment being so low in this country as we tape this particular show. So are there any standards out there in the HR universe? Are there guiding principles that every HR department at large companies have to abide by to navigate people who come and say, I have cancer? Well, there, there are tons of rules and, uh, they, you know, some of them are at the federal level. Some of them are at the state level. Some are even at the municipality level. I'm out here in San Francisco and, and the city of San Francisco has all sorts of rules that are, uh, you know, a little bit different than what happens at the state level and so forth. And that is true more and more across the country, particularly with leave policies. Uh, we see municipalities all over the place uh, pushing forward more favorable family medical leave and parental leave policies, uh, which makes a lot for an HR group to keep up with. So there's a ton of rules in terms of how people are protected if, if they have a health condition, uh, when they can take time off, uh, and then, of, of course, the health insurance side of it, the majority of companies do offer health insurance of some kind, and uh, there's going to be a you know, level of coverage there, but that varies very widely from, from company to company. And you may have a, 
you know, a, a very different policy or set of benefits when it comes to health insurance. But for the most part, everyone is going to have that with their employer still. And so it's a, a lot of things to navigate and a, a lot of things to make sure that you're taking advantage of all of them if, if you do have a really serious health issue. Right. So that's a lot of permutations depending on who you work for and what municipality mm-hmm. and what city, what state with the federal yeah. laws that ideally govern all of them in some capacity. Uh, how is leave defined? Because people leave for, you know, I have influenza, I need two weeks off against their sick days versus, mm-hmm. you know, maternity leave or paternity leave these days versus, you know, an extended leave. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there are lots of different types of leave depending on the size of your company. Uh, and so when it comes to leave of absence, employers who have less than 50 or less than 25 employees have a different set of rules than those that are larger. Uh, but there's, for the most part, there's good, um, a good chance that you're going to have some ability to take paid time off if you have a, a serious medical issue. Now, that could be a combination of using your own sick days or your own PTO, as well as taking short-term disability or even long-term disability. And so there's a lot of programs that kind of uh, work together. And uh, one of the things my company does is we often try to make sense of all of those for the average person. Uh, and, and it is confusing. So you have to find out what your own company has and, and what's, what's relevant to you. But something to keep in mind is you don't have to tell your employer that you've been diagnosed with cancer. You can say that you have a serious medical issue and you want to understand how the leave policies work. So, you know, there's a lot of protections for health information in the employer space. And, you know, if someone's not comfortable sharing that with their employer, they definitely don't need to. Well, I don't think a lot of people know that, that it's mm-hmm. an option. But we've, I've had stories of, I've met tons of people over the years who are employed, living with cancer during their treatment, and don't even dare mention it because they think they'll get fired, which, as everyone knows, is illegal, but yet it still happens and you can't prove it. Right. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there are lots of toxic workplaces out there, and there are lots of bad bosses and so forth. Uh, you definitely cannot be fired for having a medical condition or having a medical issue that comes up. And I would like to believe that the majority of workplaces are going to be compassionate and do the right thing for their for their employees. And and I think that is the majority. Uh, and but you'll know. I mean, everyone knows like if they either work at a lovely place or a horrible place. And uh, I hope that most people are working at lovely places. So. You know, things like the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Family Medical Leave Act, those are standard legal policies in the country right now. How are HR departments trained in being able to disseminate those rights to employees that approach them to take advantage of them? Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's a lot of effort that goes into making sure that HR generalists, as well as the specialists that are at organizations, know where to direct employees and so forth. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a whole industry s- set up to just keep up with this and make sure that employers are compliant and that they're doing the right thing and that they're doing the best thing for their employee. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. <laughs> so uh, you definitely need to make sure that you're directed to the right person. And in many cases, that may be an outsourced provider. 
So when it comes to short-term disability and a lot of medical leaves, uh, often organizations will outsource that to a third party who can really make sure that they are crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's when it comes to compliance. And so that's important to make sure that you know where to go and, and what resources are available to you. I remember when I started working, which was actually 20 years ago this month here in New York City, and I was probably six months out of surgery and radiation for, for brain cancer, I was terrified to let anyone know there that I had been sick. And I, I still looked sick. I was still bald. And I just played it off as I'm just, you know, that guy that coughs a lot or whatever. And I, I, I lived in fear that I, mm -hmm. if I even mentioned the fact that I, this is 20 years ago also and everything, you're 20 years out also, but like stigma back yeah. then. But stigma today still exists, especially when, you know, you do have a gap in your resume or you do have to go back to work after cancer and you need reasonable accommodations and you, it, it then becomes fairly self-evident. How do HR departments or how are they trained or how do you uh, sort of endow what, what you went through, what I went through into the, mm -hmm. the DNA of the empathy of those relationships? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's really tough. And, you know, unfortunately, the employers have a lot of laws to comply with and a, a, a lot of complexity in terms of managing, managing all of this. But I think that the majority of HR professionals really are compassionate uh, and really do care about the average employee. Uh, that's why they got into the industry in the first place. And a lot of what we do in our work is try to help organizations really understand just how complex all of this is and why they need to be investing a lot of resources in communicating all these programs and making sure that people know where to go and so forth. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't take away that kind of personal fear about letting people know what's going on or needing to navigate your way back into the workplace and so forth. And, and all of that is, is challenging. And I think the best thing you, you can do is, is take care of yourself through that and make sure that you're getting the support that you need and that you are, you know, kind of sharing with coworkers and colleagues what, what's, the, what's appropriate and feels right to you in terms of what you're going through. Um, and, and it's going to be a little bit different for every person. Right. And, and I go back to leave for a second because, yes, you can leave because you yourself are sick. But a lot of times young adults have to take time off to care for their parents who get mm -hmm. sick a lot. And then we're the sandwich generation. We have little kids and then we have aging parents. You know, you yourself, uh, your mom has beaten uh, breast cancer twice. She's yep. a warrior of all things, but you have had to, in a sense, play a role in that for her, which may or may not, in many people's cases, take them away from their jobs, which is another discussion to have with your HR department. Absolutely. And, you know, caregiving overall is, is a big topic and, um, and HR and benefits professionals are really becoming aware of just how much that's burdening their employees. Um, particularly, as you said, you know, people who are our age who have um, aging parents that might be struggling with their health as well as young children. And so there's actually a, a lot of new programs that are out there and employers are looking at ways to support that caregiving role uh, and really acknowledge that it is a, a tremendous uh, responsibility 
for an individual in that. And there's a lot that an employer can do to make it easier and make sure that, that an individual can still be really productive, um, but also take care of their family in the way that is meaningful for them. So I'm on your website, Ben's, B-E-N-Z, Ben'sCommunications.com, and you talk about ROI, like return on investment mm-hmm. with HR. I don't know if people ever put those two words in a sentence before. And we look at things like we do a lot of employee engagement programs with, with some of our business partners and whatnot. And, and the empowerment that it gives us employees in, inspires them to work more productively. Are those the types of things that you encourage your clients to embrace? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, particularly when it comes to health and wellness and financial wellness and so forth, there's a, there's a tremendous business impact for getting people engaged in the right way in those topics. And the reason that I love working in employee benefits so much and and why I've stayed in it my whole career is because of that amazing win-win. What's good for an individual when it comes to their health and their wellness and their finances is good for their employer uh, because you get someone who can be more productive, they can uh, do a better job, they have more energy when they come to work, they're not absent from work because of things that could be avoided and, and so forth. And so there really is this incredible um, business result that comes from investing in employees and in particularly investing in the ways that help them be successful in the rest of their lives. And while you know, there are still plenty of companies that are very old school and have not adopted more modern workplace ethos, there, there are you know, so many organizations that have really embraced that fully and are investing tremendous resources in creating this end-to-end employee experience where everyone who works there is going to have the opportunity to take full advantage of all the programs that are available to them and really set themselves up for the best, uh, the best long-term results. And that, uh, that's really inspiring. And it's you know becoming something that is kind of a given that that's the smart business thing to do. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's measurable, too. You're going to see mm-hmm. improved employee engagement, better, better practices and efficiencies. Uh, let, me, let me switch gears a bit to the, um, the employee side of things <clears throat> where you're looking for a job and you have had cancer. Uh, where are the HR guidelines on, well, I guess you can't really, it's kind of a loaded question, but how can you train HR departments when they're reviewing resumes to not judge. That's kind of a really loaded thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> or what, what protections would you know you advise other young adults who have had cancer to take uh, when presenting themselves as a candidate for a job opportunity? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think one, one thing is it's really tough if you're in a competitive industry just to get noticed. So put that extra effort into the, your resume, your cover letter. Uh, if it's an organization that you really want to work for, research that, find people who work there, you know, hustle, do the hustle to make sure that you are doing everything you can to present yourself in the best light. And of course, in a cover letter, you're not going to say, oh, there's this gap in my work experience on my resume because I just had cancer. That is definitely (laughs) not advised. No, not advised. Um, But uh, if if everything on your resume is showing really, really great results, 
and there's this gap in work service, you're still going to get the interview. And then if someone asks you about that in the interview, you can decide what to share. And I would probably share something like, I took some, I needed to take some time away to focus on, on personal issues or to focus on a, on uh, a family, a family need, you know, be vague, but, but honest. And, you know, it's probably a non-issue. And I think, you know, there's so many different ways of working and, you know, people don't expect you to have five years at one employer and then five years at another or these long lengths of service that the majority of, of hiring managers and HR people are, are not going to completely eliminate you for a gap in service. Uh, but you have to make sure that everything else is top notch so that you don't get put to the side just because there's so many other applicants that have all of the boxes checked. You know, having to hire people here at Stupid Cancer for the past couple of years, I've noticed this crazy trend where the days of, like, legacy employees who spend 15, 20 years, that's gone. People spend maybe two or three years at a company and then quit their way to the top. Yeah. And it, 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 it's a different way to perceive talent uh, when you're our age. You know, when you, are, when you grew up, you know, uh, when you entered the workforce, you know, 20 years ago, it's different than entering the workforce today and, and measuring – your what your perception is of of uh, loyalty in a sense that that's uh, it it tends to be difficult to figure out what that looks like until you meet the person I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I I would say because I review a lot of resumes too. Uh, the other the other thing I see is a lot of people are overly casual with applying for jobs, and if 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 I'm reviewing resumes and cover letters and someone has, uh, you know, clearly just put on a cover letter that they've sent to 100 employers, or there's, you know, God forbid, typos Uh, or formatting issues, you know, they're going to get put to the side. And so you have to really take every application and make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. Right. Cancer or not, you know, spell check. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So a, a tangential issue, which which we've talked about and you've heard us mention many times here at Super Cancer, is this idea of your digital identity. Mm-hmm. When you have cancer, a lot of people start blogs. You wrote a book. You know, there's all these things that you can identify with and create in the universe around your story. And that's highly Googleable by HR people. Yep. So be mindful of what our, our, my, my co-founder, Kenny, was that your digital Echo, your digital footprint, your, your, um, your, your past, you know, uh, what does that look like when you're Googled? Is that something that is, I mean, it, it sounds like it's an obvious thing, but I assume this happens as standard practice. Everyone Googles everybody to vet them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't actually think that's standard practice. I don't think most employers are doing extensive internet searches on, on employees. Um, perhaps they would if there's something that's a curiosity uh, or if it's someone who is going to be in a social media or marketing external role, then you want to see, well, what is this person's, what is this person's external reputation look like already? But I definitely don't think it's standard practice for all roles, uh, for someone to be doing an internet search, but, you know, having a blog or writing about your experience going through a, a really tough medical experience, 
that's going to look a whole lot better to an employer than drunk photos on Facebook. So, uh, you know, touche. Well said. I think uh, if, if you've been investing energy and sharing your story, which is so important and there's something that's, that's remarkable there, then that really is, is part of what qualifies you for a job. And, and those are the kind of things that I don't think people should hesitate sharing. And, and then if an employer finds it on their own, you know, more all the better they're going to be impressed tell us one of your favorite success stories uh having built ben's communications give us an example of a client or a company that undertook something that you built or worked with them on that has yielded something really powerful well one of my favorites is Intuit, and they they are an amazing company um always a hundred best company to work for they make TurboTax and quickbooks and uh, they're just a, a fantastic organization, and we've worked with them for uh, about almost 10 years, almost as long as my business has, has existed. And I worked with them um, prior to starting the business as well. And they are an organization that that truly invests in their employees. And so we've helped them over the last 10 years roll out every, every version of their health plan, all changes to their wellness programs everything that they invest in financial benefits in work-life benefits and so forth. And they have, they have the data to show that people have gotten healthier. They're saving more for their retirement and they love working at Intuit. And, and there's good reason for that. I mean, Intuit really, really takes care of their people. So that's, that's just one of the many fun client stories that we have. So you're coming up on 20 years which mm-hmm. is which is no no small thing, which is pretty cool. You you're now running uh, a very successful HR organization, and where in where in what you do as a company is your survivor story? How does that play out in what you impart to running this company and down the chain to your employees and your clients? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. I, I wouldn't say that my survivor story is really a, a very visible part of it at all, but the, but the values and the tenacity and the confidence that that gave me is, is, is part of what we've been able to do. And so when I look back now, you know, especially almost 20 years later, I can see that so much of my approach of, you know, being insanely optimistic, you know, always confident, always knowing that there's a way forward and being able to, to rally a team around some really big picture ideas, that, that has come from this experience that I had 20 years ago going through cancer treatments and so forth. Um, and, and, you know, the, the commitment to, making sure that each person can be their best and has the tools to take care of themselves, that's totally informed by my own experience and, and part of what, part of the reason that I'm so passionate about the work that we do. That was the right answer, by the way. <laughs> I didn't really frame the question correctly, but that was exactly what I was, I was fetching for. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, and also, I mean, with this survivor story, one of the things I want to do going forward and we've talked about this as a, as a team quite a bit is, is create more resources that are just for the average person. And, you know, I've thought about writing a book about all of the ways that you can take advantage of all these programs that are out there. 
and make sure that you're able to live your best life. And certainly if I'm able to do something like that, uh, part of my cancer story will, will, will be part of my credibility in, in talking to folks about those topics. No, we love young adult cancer success stories, and yours is exceptional. So uh, congratulations on 20 years. Jennifer Benz, founder and CEO at Benz Communications Boutique Agency, specializing in employee benefits communications. You truly have spent your entire career making it suck less for other people. So <laughs> I, I commend you, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Jennifer Benz, everybody, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that is our show. And with that is our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Well, that's our show, the 404th episode of The Stupid Cancer Show. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. I'd like to thank Jennifer Benz from Benz Communications for joining us. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer. Find us online at stupidcancer.org. Coming to you from downtown Manhattan, on behalf of the team here at the Stupid Cancer Show, we hope you had as much fun as we did talking a stick at Stupid Cancer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here on the next exciting podcast of the Stupid Cancer Show. Bye, everyone.